0: Sunshine, I'm Alexi Lalas, and welcome to the State of the Union podcast, presented by State Farm, by the way, uh, where we look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red-white and blue-colored glasses. Joining me as always, my friend, my colleague, my guiding light, David Mossy, a soccer savant, and a Fox soccer researcher and writer extraordinaire! Mossi, uh, we come to you uh, after finishing up a game today, but also some games yesterday that we didn't get a chance to talk about. And before we do that, I want to shout out to our friend Julie Stewart-Banks, uh, wonderful uh talent uh former colleague with us here at uh, at Fox she's gone on to do great things incredible com- incredible comedian she said some really nice things about the pod and i think it uh, not just because it's nice but because i think it sums it up succinctly she called what we are doing right now snackable in terms of giving her what she wants in a very digestible form, in a very efficient form of what is happening, especially during the tournaments, uh, day after day after day. And I just like it, I, want to, I love Julie, but that she was able to put this into words. Uh, it, it, uh, it warms the cockles of my redheaded American heart because it makes us understand that this is what we're trying to do and that it's resonating out there.
1: She did preface it with, say what you will about Alexi Lalas. What do you think that was about?
0: I mean, people do say what they will (laughs) to my face, behind my back, online. Whether they're family or not, you are a
1: polarizing figure. So whenever somebody is going to praise you, they do feel the need to insert that at the front of it.
0: Yeah, but you know, Julie and I are cool, and she's she's one of us. You know, she's yes, she's got the Canadian, but she's also one of us when it comes to uh, America, and uh, and I love her. So thank you, Julie, and everybody else that is out there, basically snacking on the State of the Union. The other thing is. so we did, uh, we did the show this morning, and for a number of shows and a number of days, we have been not stuck behind the desk, because I actually like behind the desk, but there are some moments where, uh, we, uh, where we stand up. But it hasn't happened in a while. And Carly Lloyd, and she's not alone, a lot of the uh, women um, are wearing wonderful, beautiful outfits, but a lot of times it gets stuck behind the desk. So Carly showed up today in these incredible pink pants. And very, very quickly, we figured out that, you know what, if there was ever a moment to, uh, to show full body, this was what we were going to do. So I'm, a, I'm the one on the right, Mossy, and that's Carly Lloyd on, on the left. Now, I have yet to see Barbie or Oppenheimer, although my teenagers have seen them. And they, it's a surprising thing, but they actually fall on the Oppenheimer side, which is uh, which is interesting. But people can answer uh, out there as to wh- which side that you fall on, whether it's the actual movies or me and Carly. But she looked beautiful. Everybody is looking beautiful. And I'm glad that we were able to showcase the pink pants.
1: I am very excited about Oppenheimer myself. Zach Kenworthy and Brad Weimer are planning to go see it. You're welcome to join us. Are
0: oh, you going to see it here?
1: Yes, during one of our days off.
0: Oh, yeah, that sounds like a good thing to do. I
1: I wasn't going to see Barbie, but I've read some of the reviews, and it sounds interesting, so I might go check that out as well.
0: It's amazing how we can be influenced by what what pop culture and what the views do. I'm just like you. I was like, I'm not going to go see that piece of crap, and it seems that it's not quite a piece of crap. It could still be crappy, but not as big a piece of crap as maybe it's been made out to be.
1: On Carly Lloyd, I had dinner with her last night and I tried kangaroo for the first time, which I loved.
0: We buried the lead here, are you kidding me? And what was it, What to dip it with this? It was like a, a chicken wing type of thing? Yep. It was good? Delicious. If you didn't know that it was kangaroo, would you have any idea or does it taste no, chickenish? No,
1: basically like meat, yeah,
0: <laughs> like a kebab. Was it skewered? Yeah. Oh, okay, I've heard that, that's good. All right, so, uh, should we talk some soccer here? Let's do it. All right, so let's, uh, where should we start? Should we go back? to yesterday and then kind of come through today? What do you think? Yep, let's Okay, where should we start here, Uh, Portugal and Vietnam?
1: Yeah, the other match in the U.S.'s group, which was played yesterday, I got everybody in the control room in a tizzy during the first half of this one because I was quite impressed with Portugal's play. And I said, I think there is a non-zero chance that they beat the U.S. and knock out the Americans in the group stage. I don't want to overstate that point. Of course, I think the chance is minimal.
0: What does that mean, non-zero? That means it's just not zero?
1: yes I think everybody
0: it, seems to believe there's zero chance that the u.s could possibly lose to portugal and by the way that they do they're out of the world cup
1: it's a losable game in a way that vietnam wasn't zambia wouldn't be right I've, I've been saying portugal is not your typical debutante they're a proper team they played england right before this world cup in england it was nil nil they played the netherlands at the euros last year it was 3-2 they lost and they played the u.s a couple of years ago right before the olympics and only lost one nil on a goal in the 76th minute so uh, it, it's a legit team. I don't think this is a scenario where we're just thinking about goal difference in relation to the US and the Netherlands and how much are they gonna win by. The US needs to make sure that they don't lose this game so they can advance. Uh, but when I said that in the control room, everybody flipped out. Can you imagine if the Americans were to crash out in the group study, what a disaster that
0: would be? I don't think it's going to happen. I'm just saying there's a non-zero chance of well, well, were Well, were they angry about it? I mean, look, from a Fox perspective, it would be a complete disaster if that were to happen. But were they angry about it for you to even you know, put the the vibe out there that that possibly could happen or are they angry about it because they don't agree with you in terms of the stature of portugal uh
1: i think they were just angry that was putting out those vibes
0: okay because I, I don't think it's a crazy thing to say that this portugal team is not quite ready for prime time and it is what spain was let's say the last two cycles in getting there and they are absolutely not the finished product But this is not a pushover game for for the U.S. And it doesn't mean that they can't win and win by multiple goals. But this is a team. And also, you know, the way that this team is played, making massive changes from Game 1 to Game 2, I don't know ultimately what this 11 is going to look like. And so from a scouting perspective, it's going to be interesting to see how Vladko uh, approaches it here. But I think that they are licking their chops. I think also Portugal in the underdog role, as is often the case, is much more comfortable, they will have nothing to lose, and there will be a sentiment out there that, from a U.S. perspective, for a lot of people that are just kind of coming into this World Cup tent, that, oh, it's Portugal, we should just, we should just blow them away. And we still might blow them away, but I think to your point, uh, it's, it's prudent, smart, and fair to lay this out as this is a team that the U.S. absolutely could lose to.
1: Yeah, it's not a pick-your-score game. There are games where you look at it and say, well, it's just about how much you're going to win by from a goal difference standpoint. Uh, I don't think this is
0: that. But that also brings into account the the goal differential type of thing where you only scored three goals in that first game. So it still could come down to goal differential. And if the U.S. is dying to get goals, this is probably not the opponent that you would want to have to do that with.
1: Although Stu Holden uh, thinks the fact that Portugal still has a shot to advance might be a good thing for the U.S. because they're going to come at United States, and it'll make for a more wide-open game, and that could be conducive to the U.S. scoring goals. So we'll see.
0: Okay. Uh, then later on in the evening, um, we did, uh, let's see, Nigeria and <clears throat> excuse me, and Australia. This was a nutty game. Absolutely nutty game. Obviously, the hosts and on the back of the co-hosts, uh, New Zealand, going one step up and two steps backwards with their results. Now you have Australia that screwed the, uh, the koala here. And in doing so, put themselves in a very precarious position by losing to Nigeria. First off, a lot of, the, a lot of these times we'll frame it in the, the loss of, uh, of, uh, of Australia. But I think that we have to look at this in terms of the performance of Nigeria. And first and foremost, give credit to Nigeria for coming in again in, the, in Australia, in that environment, thousands and thousands of people and getting the result they made it interesting they made it made it entertaining but it was not a smash and grab this was well deserved and ultimately they get the three points and like i said in doing so put australia in a really difficult position
1: and it was an american coach randy waldrum orchestrating that victory um asisat oshoala who's one of the best players in this tournament first african woman to be nominated for the ballon d'or plays for barcelona five-time african player of the year Uh, She came off the bench because she's been battling some fitness issues, so she wasn't healthy enough to start. But she comes on in the second half. She scores what ended up being the game winner. She scored in three different World Cups. So it was great to see a star player stepping up in this tournament. Injuries have unfortunately been such a big factor. Australia once again without Sam Kerr. But yeah, I agree with you. Great, great result for Nigeria and terrible for Australia. I, I mentioned way back on our very first pod we did that any World Cup we cover, we root for the host nations to do well because that can really elevate the excitement of the tournament. Uh, there is a possibility of both Australia and New Zealand crashing out in the opening round. Keep in mind, uh, we're coming off a men's World Cup in which Qatar became the first host nation ever to lose all three group games and just the second host nation ever to go out in the group stage. South Africa had done so in 2010. Uh, no host nation in the Women's World Cup has ever failed to advance past the group stage. And we have two here in New Zealand and Australia who will
0: most likely have to win their final games, New Zealand against Switzerland, Australia against Canada, and that won't be easy. And what was gonna be a nice kumbaya type of situation between Australia and Canada, now takes on massive amounts of, uh, of importance. I, I was doing the game with Kate Gilp, and um, she, you know, she, she was so scared that Australia was going to, true to form, give up a goal at the end of the half. So she said, this Australia team is notorious for giving up goals early and giving up goals late. Australia ends up scoring in extra time of the first uh, of the first half and looking great. You go into halftime, 1-0, everything's fine. And by the way, they dominated. Australia dominated uh, in terms of the set pieces and the corner kicks. And then the killer. We, we talk about it all the time. It's not a stereotype. It's the reality from a mental, a mental perspective. They let in. I was talking about Australia. They let Nigeria score a goal. So now Nigeria is going in on the front foot. So this was, you know, this was a, a crazy game. Speaking of the uh, the uh, the corner kicks and the free kicks, Australia, at one point, they were well into double digits, corner after corner after corner, and they got absolutely nothing. Well, there were some opportunities, but they got absolutely nothing off uh, off it until at the very end. Uh, Kennedy gets a goal at the, at the very end. It was a little too little, too late for Australia and a huge, huge win for Nigeria. Uh, anything on that game? Uh, Any more on that game? Uh, I think strong candidate for match of the tournament so far. Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, I think that's fair. Uh, and then we, we turn to today and we have Argentina 2, South Africa 2. As we, uh, as we mentioned, South Africa cruising along and possibly in that moment thinking, oh, my goodness, we are going to get the first ever uh, Women's World Cup win from South Africa. Not to be. Argentina comes flying back, and it ends up 2-2. Two, two. By the way, both of them were trying to get their first uh, Women's World Cup win, so neither of them get to check that box. But for a neutral perspective, wonderful, great goals, incredible goals, and a great game. But from either of these teams' perspective, this is the game that they needed to win. This was the three points that they needed to secure.
1: Very frustrating for South Africa. Remember, they led Sweden 1-0 in the second half of their first game, uh, surrendered two goals, lost 2-1, and then again here a 2-0 lead in the second half. They concede twice, have to settle for a draw. Argentina had a game in the last World Cup against Scotland in which they trailed 3-0 in the second half, came storming back, and it ended up being a 3-3 draw. So they pull another rabbit out of the hat here. But as you mentioned, it, this result means... Neither side has still ever won a World Cup game, and if Franka doesn't help either of them in terms of their chances of advancing from Group G,
0: and as an actual team, I'm much more excited about a, uh, you know, a, a Haiti or a Portugal for that matter than I am about these two teams.
1: Argentina, this is their fourth World Cup. They've still never won a match in eleven tries. Um, the fact that they came back and earned the draw kind of spoils I had a whole rant I was prepared to deliver. Give it on this anyway pod. just
0: do it just do it now uh,
1: To you me know, they are one of the great blights in women's soccer there's no reason that Argentina shouldn't be better than this if they that country with that sort of passion and footballing culture if they put any sort of effort into it they would at least be decent and you look around all the other elite soccer nations in the world have sort of come around to the fact that they should, put some investment into women's soccer, and they've become pretty good. And Argentina stands out as the one. It's probably the biggest discrepancy between men and women in the world, wouldn't you say? Do you think
0: that it is rooted in in culture? I hate to say it, but what, yeah, you, I mean, well, it's not a bad, I mean, it's, it's a bad thing that it I mean, exists, I but mean, Brazil, saying it shouldn't be. I don't know that full- Brazil
1: is that much more evolved than Argentina when it comes to sexism and all that. And yet Brazil is <laughs> a top 10 soccer nation. So I don't know. I mean,
0: well, I mean, here's to more resources and uh, more ultimately what, what it comes down to more respect being given uh, by the Argentine Federation and by, you know, Argentina as a country for their, uh, for the women's game. And as it relates to uh, the world cup, because there is this, this strange thing when you think about the men's game and what Argentina is, and then the, and then the women's side of it too, and we, we see it at different at different places, but that 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 disparity exists.
1: But my point is, you're starting to see with Brazil, Germany, yep. France, Spain, it's not that big a disparity. Generally speaking, the countries that are good at on the men's side are also making an effort and becoming pretty good on the women's side as well. Argentina really stands out as being the exception, the greatest exception as far as that's concerned.
0: All right, let's spin it forward here because uh, we, everybody here is going to go back and I guess go to the, their hotels and just kind of lay low for a little bit. We have a really long, strange type of break between uh between games when we come back we have england versus denmark the second time we are seeing both of these teams a classic type of european matchup there will be familiarity there will be history between these two teams and again we were just over at the set and the uh the england fans that i detoured from the the uh the bar to get to our set and scream and yell they made a point of telling me that it's Football and not soccer, and I came right back at him and told tell, told them that it's soccer. But they are looking for big things. I congratulated them again on being champions of Europe, but not champions of the world. But they are excited about this team, and rightfully so, because they feel that this is their time, this is their moment. And even before they liquor up, they were pretty uh, they were pretty gung ho and excited about this team. How do you see this one playing out? A uh, big
1: point of interest for me is to see if Rachel Daly starts mm-hmm. uh, because. Uh, She's an interesting story. Uh, She's a center forward by trade. She played left back for England at the Euros, uh, but she's coming off a great season for a club team, Aston Villa, at center forward. She was the golden boot winner in the WSL, and everybody thought that with Beth Mead and Ellen White not around, she would be starting up front. She did not in that opening game. England was pretty underwhelming against Haiti, only won 1-0. So fast forward to game number two. I'm hoping to see her up top. I'll be surprised if she doesn't start
0: this. To quote the great Carly Lloyd, she's got to start. She's got to start, she's got to be on the field. Uh, She's that good. All right, well, we'll see what uh, ultimately uh, finishes up there. And then the final game of the day, China versus Haiti. Now, keep in mind that Haiti is just holding on for dear life at the number 10 position of my power rankings. And we will see if after uh, after this game, they are able to retain it. And this, if they have any hope of staying in the top 10, this is a game where they have to get three points. Now, keep in mind the reason why they were in my top 10, and, and I'm not the only one. This isn't just me going out crazy. There's a lot of people that were actually really impressed and have a lot of time for this Haiti team, our CONCACAF friends. If they can follow up a very, very good performance against England, a, a performance that I thought they deserved at the very least a point from, keep in mind it was a penalty, actually two penalties because uh, they, they took the, England took the penalty over, if they can follow this up with a great performance, get the three points uh, against China, I think that they're still going to have a case to hang on in the top 10. But again, teams like Canada, they're not in my top 10. Teams like France, we haven't seen them uh, play their second game yet. So. It's going to be interesting to see the jockeying and, and the lobbying, by the way, that's going on behind the scenes. You know, I, I got Karina LeBlanc giving me the evil eye all the time because Canada hasn't made it yet into the uh, top 10. But there will be some changes. And don't think for a second, like I said, that what happened yesterday in that uh, in that U.S. game and in the Australia game, that there isn't going to be some movement uh, both ways, up and down.
1: You've had about 24 hours now to digest the U.S. result, mm-hmm. Vlad only making one sub, et etc., any thoughts that you didn't share yesterday that you want to say today about that game?
0: Well, on air earlier, I was uh, you know quoting uh, Rush and you know the you know the concepts from uh, was it Descartes. There's a French guy uh, for you about um, even if you uh, choose not to make a decision, you have still a, still made your choice. That kind of stuff. Uh, paraphrasing right now, but it's still in the harsh light of day, very, very strange to me that there were no other than Rose Lavelle, that there were no other substitutions. And this has become the talking point, and rightfully so. so We love to criticize, criticize coaches. And it might just become a footnote later on if the US goes on to great things and wins another World Cup and plays really, really well. But every single game that we have is a referendum on this team, on the coaching staff, including Valko Andonovsky, and I guess more importantly, whether our faith is justified that they are going to win a World Cup. In the last 24 hours, nothing has changed in terms of the way that I look at that game. As a matter of fact, I have talked to more people that after that game are more uh, pessimistic about this team. And keep in mind, the first half was horrible, second half was much better, and this is still the number one team in the world. This is a, still a team that is at the top of their group right now, but it did not it did not fill people with hope and belief. We talk about belief all the time. It did not fill people with hope and belief and inspire in, in the way that you kind of want it to have done, even with a team like Netherlands, which is a very, very good team. I know the players are trying to, trying to kind of downplay it, But I want to be inspired and not making any substitutions and deciding in that that moment not to make a decision, which was, as we said, is a decision. I think that we settled. And that, I think, is what, at least for me, is the most unnerving and irritating thing is I don't want the U.S. Women's National Team ever to settle. And there are bigger picture things and lose the battle, win the war type of situation. But in this case, I would have want I would have liked Valka Andronoski and this team to do everything in their power to get that win.
1: A couple of things for me. When we did the pod yesterday, we weren't sure exactly about Rose Lavelle's fitness. Mm-hmm. Vladko did come out afterwards and say she could have only played 45 minutes, so he chose to use her in the second half rather than the first, which makes sense to me. So on that one, I'll
0: excuse her. Well before the game, she was good to go.
1: Well, I don't know. That's what he said afterwards, so I'll go with that. Okay. yeah. the most recent thing he said. Uh, the other one I've been kind of ruminating over in my head is Julie Ertz at center-back, not that she hasn't done a good job, but I think Alana Cook is a better player than Andy Sullivan. So if you played Ertz at the 6, I think you'd be able to field an overall stronger starting eleven. What do you think about that?
0: Uh, I mean, not for nothing, to your point. Uh, I thought Julie Ertz actually played very well, uh, and she wasn't at fault for the goal or anything like that. And, and she had that wonderful block. i mean that was a key key moment when she had that block i don't i i you're okay with that i'm i'm okay with it but i am maybe i'm being greedy in that i want to see julie Ertz in that midfield because and even though we've seen her win a world cup in both of those uh, those positions I, i want that bite back and maybe it's just an overall feeling after that game that we were missing some of that bite and maybe as a center back she has less ability to influence the game with that type of mentality and bite that she has than, in, than if, uh, if she is in midfield. But again, this brings up the question as to, you know, we're, we're two games into this World Cup, and I am questioning, and I know others are questioning, how deep this U.S. team actually is, how talented this U.S. team actually is, obviously relative to previous ones. And I just think we've come to this conclusion when we arrived at this World Cup, that, oh yeah, there's, there's plenty of talent and there's all sorts of um, champagne problems that and Andonovsky has to uh, do, and then he doesn't make any substitutes. And then when we really look at it, maybe this, maybe I'm defending Vladko in this moment saying, you know what, the reality is that it's not as good as we thought it was. And so therefore you just play the best cards that you possibly can and, uh, and you run them. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. I don't know. That's a long way and a, and a convoluted way of answering your question there. So what else you got, Mossy? No, that's it. That's it? Yeah. Are you watching anything? Uh, no? No. No. I'm in that wake up,
1: go to work, back to the hotel, sleep, wake up, go to work routine, which typically all these World Cups, that's how it is in the group stage. Mm-hmm. Later on, we start to get days off and you can actually go and see Oppenheimer and do fun things and climb bridges and go to opera houses, etc.
0: Don't worry. We'll have plenty of fun, fun here. I, I, I did have a drink last night with, uh, with Rob Stone. The, the bars here, they have um, the different sizes. or like three different sizes. I can't remember all of them. There's the pint and the Skinner or the Schooner or whatever it is. It's like a half one. And then there's a, a small one there. And so we got into this, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a dumb argument, but aren't they all, uh, about why one would only get the smaller one? And so there were people there that were saying, well, sometimes um, the, the big one, I don't drink it fast enough, and I still want it cold. And some people were saying, "Well, there's sometimes I just don't want a uh, a bigger one." And okay, I get it, but where does it stop? So what what uh, do we end up doing? Shots of of beer or something like that? I don't know. So
1: you know who is living well out here? Who's that? Sean Sullivan. Yesterday. I walked past this really fancy steakhouse Mm -hmm. and he was sitting there scarfing down a steak having the time of his life.
0: Well, you know what? He deserves, for all his work that he does and the great work that he does, he deserves to have a a couple nights out.
1: I'm a little worried about Erin Schechter. She's been partying so hard that just coming up the steps just now, she was like out of breath. Winded. Just
0: completely winded. Man, oh man. Nothing stays secret here in uh, Sydney uh, in terms of all the people that we have. And they're doing wonderful things on uh, on camera, behind the camera. Everybody is working very, very hard to continually bring you the content that you want. Anything before we go, my friend? That's it. All right, we will talk to you again tomorrow. All sorts of stuff that is going on. Um, Thank you to State Farm. Thank you to everybody uh, for downloading and reviewing and rating and subscribing and doing all the different things uh, that you do. Until then, and as always, my friends, size the